Today's episode of the Sidious Mag Podcast on the Sidious Mag Podcast Network is brought to you by Strava. Guys, I have to admit, I'm pretty tired. I'm about six and a half weeks away from the Tokyo Marathon. However, training's going really well, and you know I'm going to say it. Legs are feeling good. I don't think I've been this committed to a race before, and you can catch every split of every workout, of every run, all this jogging I've been doing. You can catch it all on Strava. In my opinion, it's the best fitness and training app for athletes, by athletes. I've been on there for years. The app is free to use, so you can just download it, create an account, and start logging those miles. Or, because I sometimes forget that we've got listeners from all around the world, you can log those kilometers as well. Log those distances from runs, bike rides, swims, and all sorts of other physical activities. Personally, I even log my weekly spin class that I do. I've started to get super competitive on Strava, and it's partly because of the premium features on Strava Summit. For just a couple extra bucks, you'll be able to examine your workouts like never before and get insights into your training. If you get the training pack on Summit, you can get filtered leaderboards. So that's where I like to see where I stack up against other people my age. And this weekend in particular, I'm doing a 10-mile race out in Long Island, and the race analysis feature that you can find on Summit will break it down for me. And I'm really looking forward to getting all that data afterwards to try and figure out what my goal marathon pace is going to be. Listen up, friends. You can get all that and more. Sidious Mag Podcast listeners can try all of Strava's best features right now. Use the promo code Sidious, that's all lowercase, when purchasing an annual Summit subscription, and you'll receive an exclusive discount, and it's like getting your first month free. Visit strava.com slash summit and plug in the code Sidious to get started. Do it. And while you're there, you can add me. Just search Chris Chavez, and you'll be able to track every single one of these jog fests that I've been doing. You can also join the Sidious Mag Track Club on there. We've got a community of more than 1,000 members. Just search Sidious Mag Track Club. It's the verified page. And you can see where you stack up against other readers, listeners, and fans. Strava.com slash summit. Use promo code Sidious to get started. My guest for today's show is Amos Bartelsmeyer. He was a runner for Georgetown for five years, but he never really had that one big shining moment at the NCAA championship stage. So how did that guy run a 355 mile in his season opener last weekend at Washington? This episode will bring you those answers. We also discuss how he came about training under coach Andy Powell who is formerly of the University of Oregon and has guided some of the top professional runners to their early success. We also delve into Amos's plans to represent Germany internationally and his decision to join a club out there. So all in all, people have been wondering who this guy is because that was a very quick result from last weekend. And we've got your answer. So let's start the show. All right, now we're joined on the podcast by Amos Bartelsmeyer. Did I say that right? Yeah, that's, that's right. You got it. Cool. Just like yes. the cookies. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So for the most part, everyone's wondering just who you are after you popped a 355 mile at UW to kind of open the season. Uh, but we'll get we'll get to that race in a bit. But first off, the name is just great. What do you know, like some of the background behind your name? So yeah, it's definitely definitely a mouthful, Bartle Spire. Um, I get I get I've heard a lot of different variations over the years. Uh, I I don't honestly know like too much of uh, where the name comes from. I just I'm German, um, so it's like a, it's a German last name. I'm from a town close to Frankfurt. Um, and that, yeah, that's about it. My first name, I was named after my great-grandfather. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> that's a pretty cool, pretty cool name. Uh, so you mentioned the German thing. Are you, You're running for Germany, right? But you competed at USA's last year? Yeah, so I, this past year I, I raced at USA's. Um, but yeah, I've got dual, dual citizenship. Um, like I said, my mom's German and I was born over there. I lived there for a bit. And so, uh, yeah, I've decided um, that I'd, I want to try to compete for Germany. So I've joined a club um, over there in Frankfurt and uh, I'm going to race at the, the, Europe, the German indoor champs coming up here in February. So how does that exactly work when you go about picking a club? Yeah, I I didn't really know, obviously, a whole lot about the process. Um, so there was this a girl who ran for Columbia um, that I kind of knew through a mutual friend. I knew through Jordan Mann, uh, Natalie Tanner. And she's actually in uh, the same club that I'm joining. So I kind of asked her, like, her experience with the club. She's, like, a dual citizen like me. And she just ran in the 10K at, uh, in Berlin, uh, the European champs. And she said, like, yeah, she had a, she's, things have been great with this club. And they've been, like, really supportive of her uh, living and training in the U.S. Um, and racing for them. And so that kind of helped me make that, make that decision. Yeah. So to, before we get to how you got to this point, let's take it all the way back. Uh, in terms of just your running background, where how far back does that start? Because for a lot of people who followed you in your career at Georgetown, it, before that you were a just kind of like a standout high school runner from Missouri. Yeah, so I started running like third. Yeah, I want to say third grade. Um, I, I went to like a, a Catholic elementary school, and there was like this Catholic youth league where you they did two track meets every year. One, I did. There was like one at my school where you could like qualify for whatever the league kind of championships was at the next one, and that's like where I started. I don't know why I decided to to join that, like to do that. I was always I loved soccer, like that was my main sport. I played soccer, um, but I ran. It's like third or fourth grade. I ran like five forty two, um, which, yeah, I think I won that championship race or something. Um, and like that, so that was kind of my first taste of the sport, and I, I found that I yeah I kind of liked it. I liked doing it. I liked running, but I kept playing soccer, and you know, I ran again in like seventh grade. I did cross country and track, but I was pretty bad. Like it wasn't very good. <laughs> and then seventh to eighth grade, I hit like a growth spurt, and I got a lot better. Um, and like I was beating my seventh grade PRs in eighth grade practice, and just from then then on, that's kind of where I really decided like okay, I definitely want to. I want to keep running and I really like this and I think I'm good at it. And then while you're at Missouri, like how deep <clears throat> is competition at Missouri for those people who I guess who don't know? I like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's no, it's no California or, or Florida or Texas, obviously, but there's, there's always, you know, a lot of, there's good kids that come out of Missouri and I'm, you know, we're definitely all really proud of, uh, you know, the runners that come from our state. I mean, 
my so, so I, like the Daniel and David Everett, I remember those were always kind of a big competition for me in my school, especially on the four by eight when I was younger. Um, and then my sophomore year, uh, I ran a, like a 152 in the 800 at state and lost to Charles Jones, CJ, who's a freshman who ran 149. <laughs> so That's there's, crazy. yeah, it's insane. So there's definitely, there's really good guys at the top level. Um, it just isn't quite as deep as, as it is in, in some of the bigger states, but we're all pretty proud of being like, you know, Missouri runners are like a tight knit group. So what made you want to go to Georgetown? Yeah, I, I knew like this running, the running thing, you know, could help me get into, potentially help me get into a good school. And that was something I cared about. I wanted to, um, like go to, go to a good, a good academic school. And so that's kind of where I focused my visits on. Uh, like I visited a couple Ivies, but uh, just the feeling for me with like the team and the coaches at Georgetown and just being on campus just really clicked a lot a lot more for me than any of the other schools I visited. And that was kind of how I made my decision. I also, I really liked history at the time in high school. So I thought maybe I'd want to, you know, go into the foreign service or something. And Georgetown is kind of known for that. So that, that was kind of part of the decision. While you were at Georgetown, was this a time where there were a couple coaching changes or? Um, yeah. So I guess throughout my whole, I spent five years there. And during that time, that yeah, there were a couple of different coaching changes. When I was a, when I was being recruited, I was recruited by Brandon Bonzi, and Coach Henner uh, was the head, the director, program director. Um, and I guess just that that year that I came in, Milt left, um, went to Stanford, and Mike Smith started as the women's head coach. And then by the time I left, you know, Bonzi became the head men's track coach. So he was at my, he, I kind of had continuity there with, with coach Bonzi the whole time I was there, which was really nice. So it wasn't actually as disruptive as it might seem from the outside. Um, but yeah, by that time Henry had left and then also obviously Mike Smith had gone to NAU and has had quite a bit of success. <laughs> just, just a couple championships. <laughs> yeah. It's not nothing, nothing major. You know? <laughs> Um, so when people look at the results from this past weekend and they see your time, 3.55 on the UW track, I mean, it's not like it's a total shock because you did run sub four while you're in college. Right. So I guess, why do you think this is jumping out to a lot of people? And it's, I find it very interesting because so many people are like going like very excited over it. Yeah. But at the same time, like this is your first race as like a post collegiate athlete, like on the track indoors. and I find it a little different in terms of just like how to get excited about the performance because if you had run this time like last year as a senior, people would be going even even crazier. So how do you assess right. kind of like that kind of race and where you are right now in a somewhat professional career? Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't have a. I'm, I was obviously a bit surprised by it uh, too. I think that's. I think maybe it's just the, the fact that it was the fir- like when that first racing weekend of the year, I feel like maybe that was kind of why it stuck out to people. There's obviously not, there hasn't been a whole lot of results yet this year. So what are you going to talk about? Well, this kid ran 55, so I guess we'll talk about that. Um, yeah, and I guess it's just that. And there must be some kind of like threshold, I guess. Three, 356 is fast, obviously, but somewhere around there you get – 355 it's a little bit different um yeah what did you spend the last couple months doing that might be different 
Yeah, so um, I think, so for me, yeah, like I said, I was definitely surprised by the result. I didn't think I would run a big PR like that my first race of the year. But I, I like I knew that, and I was confident that, you know, big things were going to happen for me this indoor season, just because I, I'd had a year of full healthy training, like right around like December 2018, from December 2017 to 2018. That was kind of first time in two years I'd had a full year of healthy training. What injuries uh, did you have before that? So the fall of 2016, um, I had kind of the only major injury of my college career. I had a sacral stress reaction stress fracture um and that yeah i that really like altered the the course of my career uh, i was in felt like i was in pretty really good shape at that point um and it was right after our conference meet uh our conference cross country meet and i'd run pretty well at that um and so that kind of took me out for 2017 i didn't run a whole lot in 2017 um and then just towards the end of that year, I, I got like back in a good place and back on the right footing. Um, Cause you know, you, a lot of times you have a big injury like that and then you start coming back and then your body is just not, it's not durable like it once was. So you'll have little nagging things that keep you out here for a week or two, keep you out there for a week or two. So it's tough to get back into that regular, that regular training cycle. So I knew like I had a year of good training. I had a, good indoor and outdoor year last year like i pr'd indoors i pr'd in every event pretty much that i ran in the mile and the eight and the 15 and then just this fall i just i moved out to seattle and i started working with um coach powell and training with like sam prakel and uh some guys on the team like mick stanisek and i just had really just consistent it was really that was it i had mileage like i was able to run 70 75 miles a week and be really consistent and I think that's kind of what, what did it for me. It wasn't anything like particular in the last three months, but it's just kind of that culmination of a couple of different things. When you finished your career at Georgetown, and now I guess you made this move out to Seattle, how did you go about the decision to keep going, like in terms of with with running, and especially like at this high of a level? I'm sure you've got a bunch of like classmates who probably like as soon as their eligibility is done. They're just like, all right, that's it. Like that was, it, it, it takes a toll on your body and like people yeah. are tired. And so it's like, I think I've gotten everything I've, I can get out of my body for you. Why wasn't that the case? Yeah. I mean, it definitely was something I thought about and a just a, a difficult decision and something I didn't really come to that decision until the last month or two of my senior year, you know, in the fall, I kind of thought, you know, maybe I'll I'll be happy with, you know, if I run well at NCAAs or something, I'll be happy with my college career and I you know, I can hang him up and just move on with my life. Um but you know, I don't know, when I when I got a little bit of that taste of success and based off how much I'd been doing training-wise, I just knew that I knew I had a lot more that I could do. Like I knew that wasn't close to my poten potential just based on yeah, what I was able to run that year and, you know, kind of things I'd done in the past. Um, and then I decided, okay, if you want to keep running, um, you got to kind of, first of all, you got to be doing it for the right reasons. You got to figure out why you want to do it. And then you got to set some metrics for yourself as far as, you know, what's, what's, what's a career for you? Like, what do you want, what do you want to do? And so I decided 
I really want to represent a, co a country on the national, like international stage. I want to wear a vest. That's like something that would be just a really cool accomplishment. And that's something I could be really proud of, you know, for the rest of my life. And I have, you know, I have like German, German roots. I was born there and I, I speak the language and I would go back every summer with my family. So I, I felt, you know, proud of that connection. And I decided, well, I'm going to keep running. I want to try and make a team for Germany. And that's like, that's worth it for me. That's something I want to do. So the German 1500 meter squad? Yeah. Yep. That's the, uh, that's the goal. <laughs> uh, who are some German 1500 meter runners like in recent years that have like done fairly well or something like that? Cause I mean, off the top of my head, I'm, I'm blank. Yeah. Yeah. So the, I mean, there's a, there's a couple of good guys who are, who are really good, who, you know, are world-class. There's, um, Homie Tesfai. He's, uh, like Ethiopian German and he's run, I mean, he's run really fast, like 333. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, he's, he's really good. And then there's a guy like Timo Bennett's, um, German guy. He's not quite as fast as, uh, the top guy, but he's really, he's won the German champs the last, definitely the last two years outdoors, maybe the last three. And so he's like pretty good in championship races and like he's been able to win. And then, you know, there's a slate of kind of younger guys around my age, maybe a year or two younger who've run around 340. There's one guy who just had a big BB last year, ran 337. So there's some, there's some quality at the top. And there's, like I said, there's like five, six guys that are in the mix there. Um, who are pretty good. Like right now, my time ranks, like last year, I think I'm fourth, I'm the fourth fastest 1,500-meter runner. What's the uh, German mile record? That's, you know, that's a good point. I don't know, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you, know, you never know. It could be kind of soft because they just don't run the mile that often right, right. <laughs> in Europe. So you should maybe take a look at that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but when you make this move out to Seattle, you decide to team up with the Powells and as like Andy Powell in particular, I guess, like as your coach, um, everyone knows of them from their success at Oregon and yeah. it's, and because what they're able to do with their distance runners there, it's like they, everyone's always hungry for like, let's peel back the curtain a bit on like, what is the secret behind their <laughs> success? What, like without, I guess, spilling too many beans, I guess, like what? <laughs> What have you experienced, I guess, that's different about training under Andy than any other previous coach you've had? Yeah, I mean, like you said, there's no, there's no silver bullet. Um, and it's only been like, I, I guess I, I, I started his training really in like late November, December. Before that, I was still getting like some more training and workouts from my college coach. Um, but I guess it's more just, I think, like the way he – the kind of attitude that he projects and that kind of his runners um, internalize of just being, you know, really professional about getting your work, getting the work, putting the work in um, and, and then just being, you know, pretty confident. I mean, like the expe expectations are high. I think he sets a really high bar. And when someone just says that kind of to you, it's like, yeah, let's, like let's let's go and win this race or something like that. Then you're just like, okay, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> you know, I, I can do that. Then you know, if you if you say that's if you say I can, then you know that's my new goal. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't think it's any like, oh, we do, you know, this these three hundreds two <laughs> days out at midnight, you know, from the race, and then that's it. We're primed. <laughs> that's totally what um, you're doing. 
but you just like said it a little sarcastically, so people were not gonna believe you did. Yeah, yeah. It's a little reverse psychology. Hide in plain sight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, what what's it? I guess. Do you think there was something you in particular approaching Andy to have that conversation? <laughs> was it like a little at first, just like I mean, why why should he care about someone like me? Or like, how did you go about pitching yourself? Yeah. And I, honestly, I don't know why he should care about someone like me. Um, he was just making fun of me the other day for just being like, yeah, Amos was just, you know, just emailed me out of the blue this summer and then was just, just annoying me with phone calls. <laughs> so I, it's kind of basically it. I just, I, I, yeah, I sent him an email kind of telling him a little bit about myself as an athlete um, and asking him, like I, know, I, like I knew that Sam uh, was going to continue to be coached by him and move up and was going to live up here. And so I said, I, you know, I think I could be a good training partner for Sam. And are you at all open to the idea of coaching someone else? And just from there, it was just kind of like, you know, yeah, maybe, maybe I, I mean, might be open to it. Um, like, I don't want you to move up here to Seattle just for me, but um, if you happen to find yourself up here, like you, you're welcome to, you know, come work out with Sam, uh, come work out with some of the guys. Um, and you know, maybe we, maybe we could see if something might work. And it just kind of started from there. And uh, actually, pretty coincidentally, it was like fortuitously, um, Sam and a guy on the team, Mick, needed a, they were looking for a third person to live with. And so after I kind of talked with Andy a couple times, Sam called me and said, hey, I heard you might be moving up to Seattle. We're looking for a third guy. You know what do you, what do you think? And I said, yeah, I'm in. Let's do it. So <laughs> that's easy. that yeah, that kind of helped out. That I basically just decided to move in with two of his athletes. <laughs> <laughs> so there isn't a whole lot that's out there, I guess, on the internet about you because I mean, so many people were wondering like, what's this guy's deal? Yeah. Um, what I was able to find is that you were in the Master of Science in Finance <laughs> program at Georgetown. So. I mean, well, why keep going as a runner when, like, I think in the it's some video that you said it's like renewable energy seemed like something was of interest to you. So, I mean, where, whatever you accomplished academically at Georgetown, why put that on hold, I guess, or on the side while you're also balancing this this running thing? Yeah, you know, you you sound like my parents, but <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I'd I'd always just been someone who wanted to. to do well in school or wanted to like get the best educational career opportunities I could, but also had this running thing. And I was, I guess I'm just like, you're just used to kind of doing both when you're in school. Yeah, it's just, it's not even a, a thought. You're just like, yeah, I, I go to class and I run. Um, and so I, I'm, so I'm still finishing that master's program. Actually it's, I'm, it, it ends in May. And so I thought, okay, I've got another year here where I don't have NCAA eligibility, but I'm still in school for another year. Like, I feel like I can take that time where, I mean, yes, I could go find a job, um, but it's also like kind of a chance for me while I'm still finishing school to just go after this running thing. Like just because of like those things I'd said before, I feel like I've got a lot to prove still. And yeah, it's working out okay so far. You know, we're, got, we're only one race in, but worked out pretty well so i don't know we'll see it maybe you know if things continue to go well i might continue to 
you know, put off some career, career, career interests. <laughs> yeah. And when you mentioned that Andy sets the bar kind of like high for just goal setting, what are some of those goals that you have for this year, this season? And like with, with Andy's approach to things, is it sort of, you mentioned like, let's go out and win this race. Was it, is it something where it's short term or are there boxes to check throughout the season? Yeah, it's kind of a, I mean, obviously you have like a, you know, layered approach. You've got the long-term and then the short-term goals. I mean, long-term, I guess, yeah, that's like for the whole year, you know, I have a 1500 goals outdoors. Like I want to run, I want to run an A standard. And so that can give me, you know, give me the chance to, you know, make a team for, for the world championships in Doha. Um, And then indoors, yeah, like the kind of we you start off. I think we talked about just like some time goals. Like my main time goal actually indoors is just a three k, um, and then the mile was like I, I want to be competitive in a mile, but I'm not totally concerned about the time. And then just you know week to week, you know you, you sign up for some races and then and then kind of going into those races, uh, yeah, you just kind of lay out some goals, and it, that's that's where he kind of comes in and just. We all naturally already do try to aim high, but he, you know, he just is always pushing you a little bit to, to be confident. And to yeah, cool. Uh, so before we get to the final questions, I ask every guest uh, for people who have like been following Sidious Mag since the start. We had Spencer Brown contribute to the site, and he's like known on YouTube as the athlete special <laughs> for being able to chronicle, I guess, the life of a Georgetown Division One athlete and you made right. a couple cameos i guess like on that youtube channel what <laughs> is it like i guess so this is two questions i guess one what's it like for spencer to always have his phone or camera out around you guys i mean like did you guys find any of that annoying or is, is, did you get used to it after a while <laughs> yeah i think I, if you just watch one of those videos you see people's faces when he <laughs> puts the camera in their face and you can tell what they're what they're thinking um you know, most of the time it's just, yeah, it's pretty fun. Uh, I remember he would kind of go in and out of posting while I was there. Like he did it for an indoor season and then he just, yeah, like quit for the outdoor season. So it wasn't actually like, it didn't feel like it was super constant. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it actually, it was funny to watch him. I guess like the first time he, you know, wanted to make one of those videos, he, just, he was just like horrible recording himself <laughs> on camera. I guess as you'd expect anyone to be, um, and then you know, I guess a year later, after he's like made you know ten of them or or something, yeah, he's still just pretty awkward dude, but he doesn't care. He's like, yeah, I'm just rolling with this. <laughs> this is the athlete special. Let's do it. So um, when the camera's off, what's the funniest Spencer Brown story you've got? <laughs> uh, I guess I mean Spencer's the man of you know thirty different haircuts. I mean. <laughs> I guess that might be one of the big things, and then some of his some of his uh, like travel day wardrobe choices have been have been pretty questionable. <laughs> uh, I remember one one race he showed up wearing some jorts, um, these like long long socks that had some kind of print on them, you know, like something you'd find at Urban Outfitters with pizzas on them. <laughs> hiking boots uh and like a, a a 
tank tank top shirt that said what did it say it said run less party more <laughs> so just like oh spencer really setting the bar high here <laughs> this is great all right so spencer did pass along to me a couple stories i guess that you need to tell so two in particular um first off it was the fact that apparently you didn't sleep before pen relays this year was it the dmr or the uh four by mile um it was the DMR, I'm pretty sure. I think it was the first day. And so what happened? Yeah. I don't – honestly, I don't know. Like, I never really have trouble uh, sleeping, really. And then just kind of two – I think maybe, like, two days before that race, where we left for that race, um, I couldn't fall asleep because there, there was just, like, a lot of noise going on around our house. And I guess that just kind of messed me up, messed up my sleep schedule. And so then the day, like I'd already been messed up going into it. And then so the night before I was like, okay, I like, I really need to sleep tonight. I'm just like, I'm going to take some, I'm going to have some melatonin that I can take. Like if I, if I feel like I can't sleep. And so I fell asleep pretty fine. Then I woke up at like three, two, eight, two or three AM. And I was like, uh Oh, I don't think I can fall asleep. So I decided to take in melatonin right then, which is probably a bad idea <laughs> because then I slept straight through my morning alarm. I slept through like our morning team meeting <laughs> and I woke up just like in a total daze, like feeling like, like I don't even know what planet I'm on right now. Um, but luckily it's like afternoon, afternoon races. So you've got a little bit of time to come to your senses. Um, yeah. I mean, we didn't win. So <laughs> yeah. So there was two I guess it kinda... there was one where you guys finished second and then one where you guys dropped the baton, right? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. The DMR. Yeah, we did drop the baton. That's right. Thanks for reminding <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah. All right, but on a more positive note, I guess he, Spencer notes that it, your best race is getting the DMR from Georgetown to qualify for internationals, and it's a race where you took the team from last place to first place on the anchor leg, and you split a three fifty seven. Would you agree? Yeah, I yeah, I'm not, I think that was definitely one of my one of the races like I'm most proud of when I look back at my career at Georgetown, just the way I, I ran it. Um, yeah, I got the baton pretty, pretty far back and I just like ran really hard the first 400. I think, I don't know. I think I ran, ran like 56 or something. And that kind of got me back into that front group of guys. And luckily that race, they could kind of slow down a little bit. So I got, I got a couple laps to just relax a little bit and, get over that that initial quick lap and then I guess because I'd gone out so hard my mindset was I was already just on the on this aggressive like attack mindset for the race and then coming into the last lap I just, just went to the lead and yeah we ended up winning the race but I was definitely yeah, yeah I was pretty excited about that and I know the, the guys were, were pumped to get that time so the final four questions I asked every guest first one is uh what's the funniest drug testing story that you've got but i guess like did you get drug tested often i guess but you you from what i, I read my, online you didn't you never scored individually at ncas right right yeah so i guess yeah my funny drug testing story is that i've never actually been drug tested <laughs> um so you know who knows <laughs> right uh, but yeah people i guess people have the ncaa tests at at school you know where you have to get up and i never i was never Never selected randomly. Cool. Well, run fast, run fast enough, and you'll get your first story probably. Yeah, I guess that's my goal. 
that's my goal to get that to get that story. <laughs> uh, next one is what's the meanest thing that you've read about yourself on Let'sRun.com, which is funny enough. <clears throat> Kind of like how I stumbled upon your name over the week, yeah. over the weekend. I was like, there was ended up being a thread where it's who the is uh, Amos Bartlesmeyer. Yeah, I guess I guess that counts. You know, I don't you can't, you can't go too far back for for content about me on on Let's Run. So we're starting with a starting fresh right now. I think that, and then I think somebody in the thread actually, um, you know, tossed out uh, maybe he's doping comment. So. It's crazy. But that's right? really that's really just that's just a compliment, I guess. So. <laughs> yeah, it says uh, ran 149 and 339 at Georgetown, as well as sub four in the mile. Graduated last year. Started working with Andy Powell. Whether it's drugs or training, he seems to have taken yeah. to it quite nicely. <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> Didn't take uh, too long. <laughs> Next one is um, if you go on a run anywhere in the world with anyone from history, assuming they could hold a conversational pace with you. Who would this run be with, and where would it take place? <sighs> Who would this? I mean, this might sound like a lame answer. I'd, I'd probably actually want to go on a run with my great grandfather, um, who I'm like named after. I just, I've heard a lot of, about him from my 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 dad and you know my grandpa. Just like what a great guy he was, and he was like. Um, he grew up. He grew up on a farm, and like when he was, I think he was in his late teens. His his dad died, so he kind of had to manage the like the family. He had a couple sisters, um, and like run the farm. So it'd just be really cool to to listen to him. Um, and then anywhere in the world, ah, oh, that's tough. I don't. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Can you? <laughs> Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe like the uh, the Swiss Alps or something. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that works. Some crazy, crazy scenery. Yeah. Final question has nothing to do with running. It's you get twenty five shots from half court. If you make one, you win twenty five million dollars. If you don't make any, you go to jail for twenty five years. Who How many you shots do you say? Twenty five. Twenty five half court shots. Uh, I think Sam Preco has like attempted this and really. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and he and he obviously he didn't win. You didn't However win many money, millions, but, like, you just said. Just to see, like, if he could. Yeah, well, that's not the same. You know, the risk isn't there. <laughs> I'll have to ask you about that. So, yeah, is the twenty-five shots. Yeah, I think I can do it in twenty-five shots. Yeah. So I'm starting to think, like, as more people get asked the question, it's twenty. Like, it's the number of shots that really sells people on it. But yeah, it's just like the cost of freedom. Is it really twenty-five million dollars? Like, it's. That's what keeps me from saying no, but yeah. Hey, I mean, that's the confidence that some athletes show. <laughs> yeah. 20, you know, it would get, it would get tricky though. You, you miss like, you miss your first six and then you probably start sweating. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. All right, man. Thanks a lot for taking the time to do this. Um, I guess what's your, what's your next race and what do you got in your schedule? I'm doing a three K, uh, this, this coming weekend, the 26th at, uh, at UW again, cool. and then after that, I'm going to to Milrose. We're going to be in, in, hopefully going to be in the B mile. Oh, nice! Um, so yeah, cool. That's what's next. All right, perfect. Well, we'll uh, best of luck with the rest of the outdoor season. All right, yeah, in, indoor season, then outdoor season. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Chris. Thanks to Amos for taking the time for that interview. We will be back on Monday with a new episode. It's already been recorded. 
The episode will be with Grayson Murphy of Northern Arizona Elite. She was definitely among the names that people requested when I put out a call for future podcast guests and suggestions. So looking forward to that one. We're also going to have Jared Ward on the show pretty soon, the 2016 Olympian. He was supposed to be on the show this week, but his wife is expecting their new baby any day now. So congratulations to them. And thanks again to Strava for supporting the show. Visit strava.com slash summit and use promo code Sidious, all lowercase, when purchasing an annual Summit subscription and you'll receive that special Sidious Mag podcast listener discount. I've been your host, Chris Chavez, wishing you some happy and healthy running. And of course, don't forget, legs are feeling good, even in the heart of marathon training.